It's time for Roadworthy Drive, America's premier mobility news and technology talk show. If it moves people underground or on the ground or even in the air, it's a sure thing it'll be talked about right here. And now, here's the electric pair with energy storage issues, Ken and Sasha. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Welcome to our number two of Roadworthy Drive, America's premier mobility news and technology talk show. I'm Ken Chester, in studio for this hour with my effervescent co-host, Sasha J. Little. Effervescent? Effervescent. Is that what we're going with now? Yeah. Where do you come up, like, do you just Google, like, uh, adjectives? Hey, hey, I actually come up with these adjectives myself. (sighs) Yes. I I think at the end of the show that you actually need to provide definitions. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) But hey, before we continue... There, Miss Little, uh-huh. I have a bone to pick with you. Of course you do. What is this I hear from the suits about a request uh-huh. to rename the second hour to something like, I don't know, the Sasha J. Little Electric Power Hour? I mean- What's that about? It flows off the tip of the lips. No. And I think that there has been a strong demand for more of Tech with Sasha. Uh, yeah, but I think that's going a little farther because you know they asked me about no, it, right? No, 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 no. The first hour is 100%, you know, Ken Chester. Yeah. And and the Ken Chester show. Yes. With his minimal DuPont, you know, hi, that was great, you know, Sasha. And, and that, that's cute. Uh-huh. But you know, the suits asked me about this. I'm just saying. And you know what? Yeah. <laughs> I said no. I, what? Did. Why would you? Do- People, did. support me. Oh call my. in to our drive line. Oh my! Call in, P- email no, no, Ken please. at roadworthydrive.net. Don't do that. Please do. Not with that. <laughs> Any case, folks, we have plenty to discuss during the second hour as well. Obviously, tidbits from the parts bin to a conversation about automotive customer service, and of course, the popular crowd pleaser. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. Tech with Sasha. Yes, we got it all right here. Just for you, but first. <laughs> Regular listeners and friends of the show know how to reach us, but in case you don't, mm. it's really easy. Call or text the Roadworthy Drive Line, that number, 872-222-9793. If your chosen communication is the written word, the email address is ken at roadworthydrive.net. Either way, we'll connect you to me, Sasha, and the show. And also, should you want to put in your vote as to whether Sasha should have more time during hour two, we, getting, we will engage with me, that. Sc- excuse me. Yes, sir. You're getting greedy. half the segments. I am? Yeah. Greedy. Uh, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> um, From the parts bin. From the parts bin. Sasha, have you ever heard of an RV manufacturer called Airstream? Oh, they are the ones that did those beautiful, like the silver. I, I forget. Was it brushed steel? Was stainless the exterior, steel? Stainless steel exteriors. Mm-hmm. They were considered the Lexus of their the day. The creme came, de la creme. Yeah, when it came to RVs. Yes. Uh, yeah. Would you, I can't believe that in this piece they're actually calling them old school. But they are. Yeah, Didn't they? Beautiful. I mean, aren't aren't they? I mean, they're not producing. Yeah, they are. What did they come back? They never left. Really? Yeah. Here's the thing. Okay. Um, Airstream not only is still around, okay. but they're embracing smart home technology that might just turn the vintage trailers into modern classics. What? They rolled out a new Nest camping trailer, uh-huh. uh, which is about one third the price. Okay. It's a mini trailer, 
It costs, now they say less than half. I'll tell you what a new one costs in a minute. Mm-hmm. Of their company's classic models. First of all, it ditched their, oh, I'm sorry. I said stainless steel. I was wrong. It was brushed aluminum. Okay. I all stand right. corrected. Okay. Uh, for one, it feature, features lighter and stronger fiberglass, but it comes with Bluetooth controlled LED lights that can change color and pulsate with the music. And I know that's a requirement when you that, go camping. Right. And it has it, even though it's where a, I'm at. Even though it's a tight squeeze, it comes with a full size bathroom. I'm sorry, full, sorry, full size bedroom, a kitchenette, and a shower. Uh-huh. They call it a cozy camper for tight knit couples or artists looking for space to create. Yeah, tight knit, that means it's snug in there. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But now they also rolled out. Could be my kid's playhouse. Not even, th- yeah. <laughs> They Airstream even rolled out a partial smart home solution for all of their 2019 classic trailers, including the option for unlimited data and a retrofit conversion for data access for the older ones. Now, can I ask a very silly and probably well-known question that I actually don't know? Um, are the models still the brushed? Yes. That we are, we're used the, to. The ones they call the classic. Okay. And I'm going to get to that. Okay. But I want to talk about this new feature. All first. right. Uh, the new feature is called Airstream Connected, and it includes a smartphone app that can set the in- indoor temperature, control vent fans, turn interior and exterior lights on or off, and extend or retract the camper's awning. It also enables remote monitoring of several key RV features uh, including checking the propane and water levels, as well as battery voltage. Oh. Things that an RV owner would want to know. Right. Finally, for those intrepid campers who are not only prone to enjoying hikes, but getting themselves lost in the woods, the app can help them locate their RV via GPS in a pinch. Because Assuming you that lost... your cell phone don't go dead. You lost your SUV. Maybe or, you were I mean, out camping and you got lost, and you want to get back to your SUV, your uh, RV. Okay, but so that means you went hiking from your yeah. from your campsite, yeah, in the wilds, in the woods, in with the moose, in yeah, uh, and the bearson, and whatever at, else is out right, there, right? And the you know mm-hmm. quailson, and uh, you lost, got lost, right? And you can't use your GPS. Uh, you, it's assuming that this will help you find your RV. Yeah, so don't yeah. listen to music, folks, on your cell phone when going hiking in a strange area. So that you can get back home. So you can get back home. Now, the new features will come standard on all 2019 Airstream Classic models, which, folks, start, start, start. Did I mention start? Start. $150,000. Oh, okay. So I see one with, like, can we get one with um, embossed? Uh, our 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 um, our uh, our logo. Yes, embossed on the side. Uh, if you're willing to pay for it, can and we talk I don't, to the no, suits? No, they're not going to go there. <sighs> um, more on this connected. They're going to include a high gain move rounded and move. Can't talk <laughs> moose. No roof mounted oh, antenna. Okay. All right, which boosts Wi-Fi and cellular signals for greater act- connectivity. But they also partnered with AT and T to make sure. They stay connected no matter where they go. Each classic trailer includes an AT&T modem with dedicated 4G LTE data on each new Airstream trailer and includes a year of free data. Unlimited free data? 
free data. It does not say unlimited. All right. After that term, you can pay $25 a month or $360 a year for unlimited data. That's a dollar a day. That ain't bad. For those of you that want to even feel a little bit better, um, AFStream Connected App will even help you prepare for the trip with checklists to make sure you have everything that you need for the trip. AFStream. Still making things happen. You know, I, I, I mean, thought I was pretty cool. I, I think all that stuff is really nifty and awesome and great. But I have to tell you, as a chick, uh, I would buy it just for the looks. Like, I mean, literally, I would buy it. I would buy one of their classic models, uh, emboss it with, you know, whatever message I wanted on the side. Mm -hmm. And I would I, that's literally like they'd well, be like, but it comes with this. I, I don't care. Well, like, the Airstreams were the top of the line in their day. Right. I mean, if you had an Airstream RV, which, yeah. which they were all towables, by the way. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, were awesome. Yeah. And you paid for it. So you knew it was top of the line. Right. Uh, changing gears ever slightly. Right. Because we don't do that here. Uh, you realize women spend more than men to get around New York City, transit wise. And that women in New York City spend an average of 26 to $50 extra for safety reasons, and up to $100 yeah. a month more if they are their family's main caregiver, as much as 1200 bucks. They were looking at what, their, what the New York, New York University's Rudin Center for Transportation called a pink tax, or gender-based price discrimination in the public transportation system. Here's an interesting statistic. 75% of the female respondents said they experienced harassment or theft on public transportation oh, yeah. compared to 47% of the men. Now, that seems high for the men. 47%? Well, it is Whoa. New York. And... 47%. Yeah. Now, the women said, 29% of the women said they don't take public transportation at night because of it yeah. compared with 8% of the main male respondents. And 42% of the women in this survey said they felt safest taking for hire vehicles like Uber or Lyft late at night. Yeah. Only 15% said they felt best on public transit. Imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine that. Um, yeah. Just all kinds of expenses in ways that you didn't think possible. And I would have never thought about that. But when you start to look at it that way, yeah, that makes sense. It's unfortunate. And it, the, the study goes on to how they could address that in the future. But food for thought. Coming up next, Audi is known for its over-the-top customer service. But we share a dramatic fail and conversation about what you should expect for the luxury price. Stay tuned. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. You are tuned in to Roadworthy Drive. These two automobile engines look pretty much the same, but they certainly don't act the same. The one on the right is standard in this new Buick. It's designed to run on low lead or no lead gasoline. It can significantly help cut exhaust emissions that pollute the air. It's not the whole answer to air pollution, but it's a start. And you can help by having your Buick tune regularly. Help us fight pollution now while we look for better answers. 1971 Buick. Something to believe in. This is Roadworthy Drive. Thank you for dropping by. My name is Ken Chester. In studio with the, my lovely and opinionated co-host... Sasha Little. <laughs> Truly. Okay. For this segment, I want to talk about luxury makes and customer service. Now, obviously, one would expect that if you spend money for a luxury vehicle, 
you would expect a luxury experience, wouldn't you, Sasha? I would actually expect stock with what they're wanting for these Ooh. luxury vehicles. Yeah. I would expect stock. I would expect like uh, quarterly um, dividends paid out to me. Um, in, in other case, you'd be looking for more than just the vehicle itself. Y- yes. And that's my point. Yeah. Um, especially when you're dealing with the manufacturer. Now, it seems for one owner, things didn't go so well. And that got me to be that got me thinking about the big picture of cars and customer service, of which, unfortunately, I have my own story to share um, with a major make. Um, in my case, uh, in a previous life, um, I worked with people who paid me to help them through the steps of buying a vehicle. Uh, one of my clients uh, actually ended I ended, ended up putting them in a brand new Bentley Anage. Uh, we are talking brand new, six figures, brought from Chicago, 300 miles, at, I'm sorry, St. Louis, almost 300 miles, in a covered trailer for delivery. Mm. Yeah. It seems that uh, luxury service and luxury vehicles are not necessarily hand in hand. No, because by the time that you are actually buying a so-called luxury vehicle, you're buying it for the brand. You're buying it to be seen in it. You're not buying, and the companies themselves have gotten awful full of themselves. I I disagree with you. I know. Uh, typically, if you're spending that kind of money, yeah, and you have that kind of lifestyle, mm-hmm. then you're expecting service to go with it. Now, in this one case, uh, this one uh, internet individual by the name of Shelley Palmer. I had bought an Audi Q7 Prestige. $69,695. Yeah. Anyway, Audi is known and has gotten awards for its level of customer service. Wait, actual awards or paid awards? No, no, no. Actual actual awards. They're known for top quality customer service. And Shelly has been buying... Audis for over 20 years. Okay. Now, his big issue, because uh, he lives in New York City, his big issue was this vehicle had run-flat tires. And he was a little concerned that the vehicle didn't have a spare, but, ah, oh, you know, the salesman said, ah, not a problem. You'll never have a problem. We're going to give you this extra special uh, tire package so that nothing will ever happen. Uh, his exact words, uh, when he asked about it, you don't need one. This car can travel 50 miles and run flat with a huge hole in it. You'll never be more than 50 miles from a tire store. You'll be fine. Ah, uh, no. With a big hole in it? Salesman's words. So, Shelley goes north, and I happen to know the territory he was in. Got to Vermont. Got a problem with a tire. Needed to replace it. Called Audi. They said, well, you know... We can, tear it, we can tow it to the nearest dealer some 50 miles away. Ah, uh, so what am I supposed to do? Um, Uber, said, they, said the uh, Audi person. Oh. Uh, so, okay. They ended up getting a hotel room and dealing. Then the next morning, they started calling for a tire. But guess what? This is one of my big issues oh, with wait, wait, fancy wait, wait. tires. Wait, wait, wait. They didn't have one. It's a 285-45 R20. 20-inch tires are not necessarily stocked. Guess what? Seven tire stores in Bennington, Vermont, where he got stranded. Not one had the tire. Called the dealers. Closest dealer that had one was 125 miles away, three states over. Wait. And wait a minute. 
different brand the Audi dealer there told him you'd have to buy four, otherwise you invalidate the warranty. Wait, 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 wait. No, Audi would have to supply four because when he originally bought the vehicle, when they called the dealer, they had a tire, but not the same brand. It was told they would need to purchase four new ones or we would void our Audi warranty. So wait, when he called yeah. and he was stranded yeah. and they said we will tow it to the nearest dealership. That didn't have the tire. That didn't have the tire. And the nearest one was over 100 miles away. And they said that he would have to purchase four tires mm-hmm. to Shelly Palmer yeah. with his following. Mm-hmm. I put this in the same revenue as, you know, the, um, oh, what was that? There's a comedian that he got his tire fixed at Sears mm. and the wheel fell off. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You don't do Let, that, Audie. Here, here's the thing. No. You bill. Oh, oh, and I left out the best part. Oh, my God. Did they at When least he re- called his salesman in Manhattan. Didn't That he had the number. Yeah. And texted him. Right. Crickets. Yep. Crickets. Yep. Crickets. Yep. I will read. Yeah. <laughs> I will quote Shelley Palmer. It didn't take too much for Audi to destroy 25 years of customer loyalty. Yep. The company not only broke its roadside assistance promises, but even my self-serving salesperson didn't reach out to help in any way. I wish I could say that that was rare. But no. my client, my client bought a brand new Bentley Arnage. He's on his way to church one Sunday morning when the car stalls. Oh. Can't put it in gear. Cannot start it. Wait, wait. Tur- wait a minute. Turns out this car was delivered with no lubrication in the rear wheel housing and the vehicle failed. And it gets worse because he bought it in St. Louis, almost 300 miles away, had it sent back there, got it fixed, got it back. The salespeople or the repair shop, or, I'm sorry, the dealership lost one of those very expensive key fobs. Fobs. When I talked to the owner of the dealership, instead of making good, he wants to blame his people. Oh, and one of those for a Bentley Anage, $600. My client was livid. Now, what kills me? Uh Around the same time, my daughter bought a brand new 2006 Honda uh, Civic sedan. Yep. At 132,000 miles, she had engine failure. 132000 Honda replaced the engine and paid for the towing, everything, no charge, no cost, no nothing. Yeah, but My client there... with the Bentley took a $60,000 hit selling it back to the dealer because he didn't trust it anymore. Who do you think uh, got the business the next time around? The Bentley dealer or the Honda dealer? Just wondering. Yeah, but with customer service like that, there and is still people dollars Honda Bentleys. And no. still people out there buying Audis they may because be. they want to be seen driving their Bentleys and Audis. Not me. And even with those horrible, horrible customer service and all those, we paid the money so we are got the top customer I service. I can't get past that the Honda manufacturing company and the dealer yeah. treated my daughter better. But wasn't there a recall my client, involved in that? No, uh, there was a service bulletin, not a recall. Right. But uh, there was no recall for the Bentley. Right. $234,000 car versus an $18,000 car. Yeah. Somebody's got their priorities mixed up. Mm-hmm. Coming up next, that popular part of the show you've been waiting for. Yeah, we know. Tech with Sasha. Sit tight. We'll be right back. 
Real facts, real opinions, real talk. We are Roadworthy Drive. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Yes, this is Roadworthy Drive with Ken and Sasha. Glad you could join us. For those of you who want to learn more about the show, check out roadworthydrive.com. More information than you could ever want is there at the website. From podcasts of past shows, pictures in and around the Roadworthy Drive studios, and so much more. The website is also a great place to discover where we are and what we're doing in the world of social media. For those of you on the go, you can also find us on Google Play and Podcast IA. Podcast IA is also a great place to find your favorite podcasters <laughs> like us. Be sure to check it out. Well, I guess I've stalled for time long enough. Right. It is, honestly, it's time for Tech with Sasha. I feel like there should be trumpets or something. I know. I mean, why do I not have my own theme music that announces when Tech with Sasha is coming on? You know, I think we'll have to talk to the suits and the production department about that. Right, right. So okay. what do you got for us, Sasha? So today I wanted to talk about a little bit more into robots. Um, while I was uh, questing for more information on robots, I came across um, something that is near and dear to my heart, farming. And that led into autonomous farming. Wait, wait a minute. I didn't realize that farming was your thing. Uh, farming is definitely my thing. Oh. Uh, s- specifically tractors, country music, hay bales. Yes. The okay. Whole, the whole thing. Although hay bales are itchy. Can be. D- don't, don't, don't be sitting on hay bales. <laughs> they be itchy. <laughs> okay. okay. So um, I want to first bring up something. Um, I'm not sure how... Many of our listeners are aware of what's been going on. But around seven years ago, three of the largest farm equipment companies said that they were close to introducing technology that would allow farmers to use driverless tractors, like pulling grain carts during the harvest. Um, As of today, there's no promises anymore from like John Deere, Case, Mm, Ken. Yeah. Maybe not. They're not. There are no retail applications. But if you recall, Sasha, we actually did cover something from Case a couple of years ago uh, that they showed at the Farm Progress show. Right. But again, nothing available to farmers. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. No- nothing as opposed to their promise seven years ago mm-hmm. that they would be introducing the technology to farmers. So what's changed? So nothing's really changed on their end as far as what's available to farmers. But what has changed is what is available to farmers. Okay. So I, uh, again, not sure how well, but there was a farmer in Indiana that actually came out, I think it was like last year. Mm -hmm. He controlled his tractors with a PlayStation controller. What? Yes. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Tell, tell, so, no, see, no, I know you're a gamer girl and everything know, for right? sure. But and I really, love my PlayStation. R- r- really? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. And, um, and this is a thing. It was a thing. This okay. was for real. Kyle Layard, he was a, he's a corn and soybean farmer in northwest Indiana, 
posted a video like two years ago mm-hmm. of an automated tractor system that he himself had made. Mm-hmm. And he nudges the tractor into place with a PlayStation controller mm-hmm. and then locks it into a path and speed. Mm-hmm. Now, his system doesn't have like the self-driving capa- um, capability of the auto cart, which we will get into in a little bit. Um, but it was impressive enough to draw people from all across the industry. Okay, before you go any further, uh huh, you need to tell me about this auto cart. Oh, auto cart. What, okay. What's up with that? Okay, so auto cart is actually right here in Iowa, um, about fifteen miles away, and it is something from, or it is a service from Smart Ag. Smart Ag. Smart Ag. Okay, so Smart Ag, right off the bat, their vision, and I quote, to be the autonomous farming platform of choice in a driverless future. Let me let me interject this right here. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. To give you an idea of where this is going, a lot of people, you know, think that all this autonomous stuff and all this uh, mobility stuff is for urban folk. No. But honestly... Uh, you're going to see most of this actually be aware and out there uh, in rural America. Yep. Uh, let me give an example about SmartAg. SmartAg was started in 2013 by an Iowa State University University grad <laughs> five yes. years ago. People. Five years. Five years. Five years. Yes. And you know this this one product that Sasha was talking about. It's one of actual three products. They have the eight smart HP, which is smart horsepower. Mm-hmm. It What's actually that? plugs in. Okay, it's a plug and play automated or automation system for machinery. It uh, is compatible with the John Deere R series tractor, and it will actually give you the onboard navigation system, onboard machine learning system. Dual layer obstacle perception system. Okay, you, you be speaking Greek to me, sister. Okay, okay. So basically, what it does in English as the tractor is moving forward in your already planned out trajectory, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say there's a huge rock, like right there. What? Okay, a rock. Right. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's able to pick up if it's tilling. The dual layer, it, as I understand it, I believe that it picks up like what's just below the surface as well as what's right on the surface. In other words, so the equipment wouldn't be damaged by the rock. Exactly. Gotcha. Now it has external cameras, um, external for long range radar for, you know, obviously some of our farmers. I mean, they're way out there, miles away from home. Mm-hmm. Um, their choice of service is actually Verizon or AT&T. The hardware just fits right on there. Mm-hmm. And again, it's app or it's compatible with John Deere R series tractors. But now, you know, before you go any further, since uh-huh. you're saying compatible, uh-huh. Smart Ag also introduced something pretty cool at this year's Farm Progress Show. And I was just I will let you do that. Uh-huh. Smart Ag actually um they caught up with uh, the auto cart software. Right, but before you go that, before uh-huh. we leave tractors, they actually had a John Deere 8000 series tractor that they transformed to run driverless. A tractor that's already in production right. that they were able to turn into an autonomous tractor. Yes. Now, Smart Ag wasn't first. No. But it's still impressive because, of course, John Deere being one of the premier um, makes of farm implement equipment means that they had to learn 
and adapt and adjust their software to run in the John Deere system. So there's no telling just how deep these applications could go in the future. Right. And they are, you know, this the auto cart is like another system and it will allow you to set up staging and uploading locations in the field. It'll adjust the speed, the monitor location and command the grain cart. The auto cart is mainly for the grain cart part. Yeah, it's basically an automated grain cart yeah. that a that could be coordinated uh, during planting season so you don't need an additional driver to take it back into the bin exactly. and wasting time so that the combine operator can just worry about combining beans and not having or corn and stopping to have to take a load back to the bin because they're short of folk. Now, when we come back for like the for the next segment, I have robots that are already in the field. And we'll talk about that when we return. More tech with Sasha, of course. <laughs> what were you thinking? Don't touch that dial. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. This is Roadworthy Drive. Welcome to the fourth and final segment of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester in studio with my co-host Sasha J. Little. Thank you for tuning in. And before we get back to um, autonomous farm equipment and tech with Sasha, mm. I wanted to make just kind of an observation. Uh, Sasha mentioned earlier a company called uh, Smart AG, which is an Iowa-based company at the forefront of automating different tractor equipment. And well, different farm equipment, which is what we've talked about in earlier episodes. It's not so much that the automakers or the vehicle makers themselves will come up with automated or automation, but these sub companies that will come up with their own technology that will necessarily just, I mean, for lack of a better word, plug into what you already have. I wanted to just share because a lot of times people think that this vanguard of autonomous engineering and all of this newfangled stuff happens either in Silicon Valley or Detroit. But this company based in Ames, Iowa, just these are the current positions open right now. Just to give you an idea. Lead autonomous vehicle software engineer. Lead autonomous electronics engineer. Autonomous vehicle software engineer. Autonomous vehicle electronics engineer. Autonomous vehicle embedded firmware engineer and senior machine learning software engineer, not to mention software test engineer, and senior engineering technician. So uh, all of those jobs, all of those jobs I just read, are by a company based in Iowa hiring for those jobs in Iowa. So engineering, kids, go for engineering. And, uh, <laughs> they, and them jobs and pay incredibly well. Yes, they do. Just to give you an idea, yes, these do. folks ain't asking you to take no pay cut. No. No. So go ahead, Sasha. I just want to make that point. Okay. So we've talked about um, uh, what's available as far as technology um, and what can be necessarily plugged into your already equipment. Okay. Mm -hmm. I wanted to bring up a company that it's not here in the U.S. yet. What? I know. Uh. I know. But you guys know how much I'm loving the U.K. right now. I, uh, mm. Whatever, but, Sasha. In East Million or Mion, I think is how they pronounce it, England. 
Okay. They have what's called the small robot company. And part of that is a wave of ag tech. All right. They're working to transform production in a sector that is under economic strain due to market pressures, uh, keep food cheap, and a rising global population. Okay. So what this farmer has working right now, he's trying out one of the new robots on his 450-acre farm. And as I understand, it has a name. It does. (laughs) Tom. What? Tom. Tom is the name of this cute little four-wheeled robot that uses GPS, artificial intelligence, intelligence and smartphone technology to digitally map the field okay okay so in other words this is not a drone no but it actually travels in the field itself yes it does yes it does now the the reason why i thought that this deserved just a little bit of credit okay Mm -hmm. was because next year the british startup Plans on testing two more robots, again, controlled by artificial technology. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Let me guess. Uh, <laughs> You're going to love it. No, I'm going to let you do it. Uh-huh. I, I, I uh-huh. can't. I can't. Okay. So first, I'm going to tell you what these two robots are going to do. Okay. Mm-hmm. So one of the robots, they're thinking about doing seeding and feeding and also weeding. Of individual plants in a field. Uh, yes. Oh, my. Yes. Taken to workers. Now, the robots' names that they are planning on releasing are Dick and Harry. Wait a minute. Wait, excuse me. Yeah. Tom. Tom. Dick, Dick and, and Harry. Harry. Oh, yes. boy. So wait, but wait a minute. Um, Tom, uh, taking all these pictures, he must, does he communicate with another robot or a computer or something? Um, Tom will actually communicate with your smartphone or whatever ag software you have. Um, they're actually fed to like Wilma, which is an- Oh, au- Wilma? Yes, they, they, they decide- Where's to Fred? Name- Not yet. Uh. They haven't come up with a use for Fred yet, much like in the <laughs> in the. So cartoon. let me get this straight. Tom trundles along, crop rows, taking hundreds of thousands of high-resolution pictures. And this is during the growing season, right? Yes, it does. Then he feeds these images to, Wilma. Wilma. uh, And that's an artificial intelligence platform. Yes. And now it's being trained to do what? It's actually being trained to tell the difference between wheat and wheat. Wait a minute. There's a difference? Shush. Oh. Shush you. Okay. All right. Yes. All right. It's not corn or soybeans. You have to forgive him, folks. He's a city boy. He does not understand wow. the things wow. that happen. Wow. Now. But it's uh, not corn or soybeans, so it must be a weed, right? <sighs> no. Okay. Stop it. Now, the other thing is, is that in 2019, they're hoping that the robot Dick will deliver fertilizer directly to soil around the roots instead of like the blanket spraying that you see a lot of farmers get done. Um so in and, other words, it'd be targeted. Yes, using a laser or a microspray chemicals mm. to kill the weeds. Which also has good news for runoff because yes. you're using less fertilizer. Exactly, less ends up in the water supply. Exactly. Ah, and then Harry Slow one for the city boy. <laughs> and then Harry will actually insert the seeds into the ground 
at a uniform depth and spacing, eliminating the need for tractors to plow furrows. The only thing I'm wondering about, uh-huh. uh, and I believe that you said that this guy's field was 450 acres. 450 acres. How often would the planting robot, being smaller, uh-huh. have to reload with seed, and how would that support system work? Because right now, you've got a planter that is equipped to you know go acres, hundreds of acres, planting in a number of rows wide. Right. Well, they've said like commercial sales of the full multi-robot system is still years away mm-hmm. on a larger scale testing mm-hmm. um, that they already have planned for tentatively 2021. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So just two years. Right. A little so, over two years. Um, as far as these little, I'm not sure about the size. They don't say anything about the size of these little guys. Yeah. But if they're little, they're definitely smaller yeah. than, you know, a full-size tractor pulling a full-size multi-row planter Exactly. It, exactly. You know, which has, like I said, the capacity to plant hundreds of acres. Now, you should know, though, these are not available for necessarily to buy. These are uh, only for rent. They will come out there and geez. do it. Yep. Uh, so we're going to see how Tom, Dick, and Harry do in England. <laughs> yes. And maybe they'll be exported to the United States. And maybe in some smaller field tests, it may be an option You know where we might see that happen. Amen. Oh, yes. well. Well, that ends our show for this week. Be sure to tune in again next week when we have more tech. More news, and of course, more Sasha right here. Bye-bye. Bye. Roadworthy Drive is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive radio network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of Roadworthy Drive Productions Incorporated.